weekend wrap-up and Monday Night Madness on Beyond the Airwaves, the Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It's Monday night. Yeah, you know what that means. It's time for us. No, wait a minute. It's not going to be a long work week this week. we got the 4th of July, and most people will be taking the 5th off, too. So what am I talking about? I plead <laughs> the 5th. Yeah, let's... Yep. We all plead the 5th. I also the fourth. We all plead the fifth on the fourth. Bingo. I, I, also <laughs> I, also, I also plead the first through the fourth as well. Because if I'm going to plead the fifth, I might as well plead the first and fourth while I'm at it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But yes, we do have a So if you're lucky enough not to have to work Friday, hey, you're going to for a nice long weekend. So anyway, <laughs> this is Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project, and since it's Monday, and it's just time for Weekend Wrap-Up and Monday Night Madness. I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Extreme, and I'm joined on the line by two of my crazy cohorts. First, we have Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, my dear. We also have our AC Jets on the line. Good evening to you, my dear. Hi, everybody. How, how was your week? And... Well, I was pretty good. Well, I was pretty good, I'm happy to say. And I'll tell you this much. I'm looking forward to this weekend already because I got Spider-Man coming up. <laughs> I got a lot coming up. So. <laughs> now, Spider-Man Homecoming oh, is a movie now. Ah. Yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home actually will be opening in places tomorrow. Oh, my. That's so, what I want. That's the color of orange I wanted. Not the darker yeah. color. Now, I'll tell you something. I was thinking about, I've been thinking about seeing Avengers on Wednesday, but uh, one of my friends told me that um, the extra six minutes is actually not worth it. So, I may change my mind on that one. Just like, okay, I've seen it. I'm happy. Movies come out in August. They'll probably add the extras in there anyway. There better be a damn blooper reel, too, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Because I got the Captain Marvel movie. You know how much, you know, you want to know how much, how much, how much time there is for bloopers? Only two minutes and 12 seconds. That's ridiculous. That if you say so. Yeah, that's if ridiculous. You... Well, you know what? Uh, what did I start to say? Schwang. It went over my head. <laughs> Schwang. Oh, my. All right. Oh, it's well, been one of those days, people. Yeah, well, it's Monday. The weekend has ended, and so is the latest box office. So guess what? Time to go to the best. And we'll get to the worst. The best in and the worst. Of the, the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Yep. <sighs> okay. So right here we go. All right. Toy Story 1 for the second week in a row was $59.7 million. The good news is the movie has now grossed $238 million. So has, that's it gotten back its, has it gotten back its production costs yet? Yes, it did. All right, number two was the new Annabelle Comes Home movie with $20.2 million. 
And then number three was the uh, movie Yesterday, which scored seventeen million dollars. And by the way, the, the movie is based on the movie is based on the crazy idea. What if only one person knew anything about the Beatles at all in the entire world? It's like oh, I'll be back in a minute. Okay. All right, number four is Aladdin, the 2019 version, with $10.1 million. And number five is The Secret Life of Pets 2 with $7.3 million. Now, let's see, Avengers Endgame scored $6.1 million, jumping 207.3% and adding 1,040 theaters. <laughs> so, there's Still, the big possibility that Avengers Endgame will overtake Avatar. We just don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Two point seven six four. I'll even lose what Avatar is. Let's see. And no, I am not talking about the last Airbender either because that movie was a disaster. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Okay. Two point seven eight seven billion. Okay, two point seven eight seven billion in Avengers. That's two point seven six billion. So there's still about twenty three million dollars left. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that one. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry, but you know what? I love to have the most fun. The bottom of the heap. It's time to go to the bottom, <laughs> which I love to do anyway. So, all these movies that were in the theater this past weekend made under one thousand dollars, and I'm having to say this time, not a single one is under a hundred. <laughs> so, ready or not, here we go. We have. Let's see. Let's take it. It's 11 movies that went under $1,000. I'm sorry, it's 10. First, we have Price Stuff at Bowline. It's a re-release, $969. Then we have Babylon. It's a 2019 re-release, $937. Wild Nights with Emily, $908. The River and the Wall, $884. Working Woman, $850. In the Isles, $746. Back to the Fatherland, $577. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pasolini, $448. Rafiki, $245. And the winner, or should I say the loser, for the lowest, score, for the lowest amount for a movie is... Once again, The Wandering Soap Opera, $220. bucks. <laughs> So, yep. the second time the Wandering Soap Opera was so big a loser. <laughs> How much did it make? Two hundred twenty dollars. I think it's like the, I think it's the second straight week. It's at the bottom. <laughs> oh, I believe that much. I'm just kind of hoping the amount was even lower than that. Yeah, but amazingly, it's a jump of three hundred fifty-eight point three percent. Oh my! 
Go figure. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yep. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Oh. Okay, now, um, oh, yeah, I saw this over the weekend. The first 41 episodes of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? That's like the, the, those first two seasons and such. Mm-hmm. Just in time for the 50th anniversary. It will be out on Blu-ray. Oh, I got On September all that. 3rd. On September 3rd. And then I guess what? Got... There's, a digi- there's a digital code, too. <laughs> yes, there's a digital code as well. <laughs> I definitely gotta get this because I've always loved the original Scooby Doo. I'm so glad they got that new that newer Scooby Doo. They look like the original, but now they got different guest stars again. Like they've got your little white reprising his uh, Steve Urkel role. They've got Weird Al Yankovic coming in. <laughs> It's like, this should get interesting. And, of course, the one voice actor who has done Freddy for the entire run, Frank Welker. And he even took over for uh, Don Messick when he passed away and did Scooby-Doo as well. That is, that is correct. He did. But Frank Welker has been the one person who has who has been in the show, who's done every incarnation of Scooby-Doo as Fred the entire time. Let's see. Sorry. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Today, if you're in, if you live in Canada, of course, today is Canada Day. Canada was officially declared on, I think it was July 1st, 1868. Let's see. What else is in here? Oh, that was yesterday. Yesterday, all my trouble seems so far away. Let's see. Ooh. Keanu Reeves is clean shaven as he turns up for first day filming on Bill and Ted 3. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, so this should be, this should get into Westing. Let's see. And there's I shine. Hey, I shine. I said it's in the chat room. No, anyway, give me just a second here. I'm going to put the link in the right window. There we go. I don't want to leave this. Nope. Still doesn't work. All right. 
Never ever put the never ever ever put the link in the in the um chat room because it never works. So I'll put it that way. Okay. Anyway, uh, this was posted yesterday. Fans who have fans who have gotten used to seeing Keanu looking rugged and unshaven and John Wick, but now he's back looking fresh faced and turned up for the first day on Bill and Ted Three. After a long, long wait, the lovers of the quirky time-traveling rockers will be over the moon to know filming for the next film is finally underway. The writer sure is, is, uh, is sure that a lot of people wish they had their own time machine so they could just fast-forward straight to the movie's release, but we'll get there eventually. Three decades after he first brought Ted Theodore Logan to life, Reeves appeared on the set in New Orleans to reprise the character for the third installment, Bill and Ted Face the Music. He was photographed heading to the set, and although he hid himself beneath a cap and sunglasses, his lack of chin hair alone was almost enough to make him unrecognizable. <laughs> like, holy cow. According to Variety, Reeves will appear in the film alongside co-star Alex Winter, of course, that's Bill, as well as other returning stars such as Amy Stock, who played Missy, Hal Landon Jr., Ted's father, and William Stabber. Of course, he was Jeff. <laughs> Deadline report... Saturday Night Live star Beth Bennett is set to join the cast as Deacon Logan, Ted's younger brother. Our other cast members include Scott McCoody, best known by the stage name Kid Cootie, Tamara Weaving, Arnie's daughter, Cynthia Preston, and Bridget Lundy Payne, who will play Ted's daughter, Billy. <laughs> All right. Alex Winter announced the start of the production earlier this month on Twitter, writing this. This starts to location to shoot Bill and Ted 3. Making movies is a miraculous gig, but it's also stressful and fairly nuts. To be here with Ed Solomon, a great director and producer, many folks I've known most of my life. We're family, and that's what makes this all the more special. Space music has been penned by Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, who also created 1989's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and 1991's Bill and Ted's Ex- uh, Bogus Journey, to get to the third film with Stay True to the Franchise. It's not set to be released until next year, but with filming now underway, fans can really start to get excited about seeing the comedic musical duo back in action. Bill and Ted Face the Music will be released in cinemas on August 21st, 2020. So keep that in mind. <laughs> so that's a good thing. That is a good thing, I think. <laughs> and of course, you got people reacting. No, whoa. <laughs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I. Uh... All right, I I hope I can share this. Yeah, I should be able to share this. Um, let's just say we just found I just found C3PO in a rather uh, <clears throat> interesting position. <laughs> yeah, put that there, and then I'll put that here. Yeah, look at the picture. <laughs> Okay. Hmm. 
Excuse me. Sorry. Oh, my. <laughs> you saw the picture, huh? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that, just cra- that just cracked me up. That look on his face is priceless. Yeah. Now, let's see. I know I posted a few things over the weekend. Oh, yes, Al. I will tell you this right now. Since we do not have a show on the 4th of July, which is Thursday, that's usually our um, our uh, um, free-for-all, I think this one might deserve the um, Extreme Rant Rocket. Tim, do you remember that article I posted about Kim Kardashian and the kimono? Oh, yes. That's an extreme. Fire one. I agree. All right. First, I'm going to put the link, and then I'll fire it off. Is that way easier for everybody? Because I got it from a group. I got a group from local people here that, you know, like the anime and such. And then I saw this, like, "Mm, I have a feeling Tim may not like this one. Okay. So now we got that. And now we got that taken care of, so guess what? It's time for the Extreme Rant Rockets. So everybody, take cover. courtesy of SoarNews24.com, and this was posted three days ago. The mayor of Kyoto drops mic on Kim Kardashian and sends letter explaining what kimono really is. Basically, according to Scott Wilson, the author of this article, you know you've messed up when you get a letter from the mayor. Kim Kardashian recently came under fire for trademarking the name kimono for her upcoming brand of shapewear. No, the underwear doesn't have anything to do with the traditional Japanese clothing, and the celebrity has been taking a lot of heat online for what seems to be either an intentional misnomer or a baffling misunderstanding. Yeah, I'm now back someone and else be right back. In. Okay. I'm back and be right back. Okay. But now someone else is in the ring. Daisaki Kadokawa, the mayor of Kyoto. Kyoto is known for its blending of modern and traditional Japan, with many geisha and maiko still living and performing there. Lisa and Michael, who wear real kimono daily. If any place in the world is an expert on kimono, it's Kyoto. And here's what the mayor had to say. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the letter, because the actual letter was also posted on Facebook, but I'm going to read the actual letter here. Ms. Kim Kardashian with Kimono Incidents Incorporated. I am writing this letter to convey our thoughts on kimono and ask you to reconsider your decision of using the name kimono in your trademark. Kimono is a traditional ethnic dress fostered in our rich nature and history with our predecessors' tireless endeavors and studies. And it is a culture that has been cherished and passed down with care in our living. Also, it is a fruit of craftsmanship and truly symbolizes a sense of beauty, spirit, and value to Japanese. In recent years, we've seen not only Japanese, but also many foreign tourists wear kimono in strolling around in Kyoto and cities in Japan. It is a fruit that kimono that we are, that we are proud as our 
of, as our traditional culture, is loved by people from around the world. We are currently undertaking initiatives nationally to make kimono culture, symbol of our culture and spirits, registered to UNESCO's intangible cultural heritage list. We think that the names for kimono are the assets shared with all humanity who love kimono and its culture, therefore they should not be monopolized. I would like you to visit Kyoto, where many Japanese cultures, including kimono, have been cherished, to experience the essence of kimono culture and understand our thoughts and our strong wish. Yours sincerely, Daisaku Kadokawa, Mayor of Kyoto. But seriously, the mayor's letter to Kim Kardashian may not be the most savage burn of all time, but it is brutal in its honesty. It explains what kimono is, asserts that it should not be monopolized, and invites kids to come to visit Kyoto to see someone for herself. Hello, I'm back. Welcome back. Thank you. Oh. Anyway, the last part is especially yeah. yeah. Oh the my. last part is especially poignant. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> the last part is especially poignant. Kim and her husband Tanya have visited Tokyo before. If the mayor saying that they haven't fully experienced Japan just by popping around Shinjuku grabbing McDonald's apple pie, well, we'll just have to leave that up to interpretation. Here's how some Japanese netizens reacted to the letter on the Facebook page. Uh, posts in Japanese have been translated, posts in English have been left as originally written. And here are some of them right now. Thank you so much. Please, Mayor, do your best to stop her. Well said. I agree with you, sir. As a certified Kimono consultant who has been serving both in Japan and the U.S., but Mayor Kyoto probably taking his action on this issue truly supported my back. I deeply appreciate him and those people who are supporting Japan. The Mayor of Kyoto claimed to a company who was registering Kimono as a trademark. As he states in his letter, Kimono is not a name of a typical, of typical cloth or brand, but our culture and tradition in Japan. Who is only the name of Aloha shirts or kilt? Does this company intend to monopolize Japanese culture? I would love to support the action Mr. Katakawa took. This is be the first time Kyoto has spoken about how to respect women's traditional culture, and it likely won't be the last. Let's just hope that this issue gets nipped in the bud before other people think they can start trademarking other aspects of Japanese culture. I totally agree with that, Carl. Oh, hey, play the play the bump 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 horn for Kim Kardashian. Oh yes, the loser's horn, as I like to call it. <laughs> She thinks that she's a she's a pile of nuts and all that. She ain't a pile of nuts. She's just plain nuts. I have yeah. yet to encounter one one person who can give me one good reason why the entire Kardashian family, to include Kim, is even famous. The only person mm-hmm. who should be was Bruce Jenner. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Chris, I don't know. I have no idea who, who, who the hell she is. Kim, Courtney, Chloe, again, famous for what exactly? Being a bunch of boo, jerky assholes. Or as I prefer to think of them, bimbos. Oh, I mean, well, I'm sorry, but they're, but they're famous no. for what? Their dad, Robert Kardashian. Yeah, their dad bought, bought them their fame and no, fortune. Was he one of the prosecuting attorneys? I forgot. I think he was one of the prosecuting attorneys. Um, 
for um, O.J. the O.J. Uh, Simpson trial. The O.J. Simpson. Yeah, Robert Kardashian, I can agree, but the kids? No, 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 no. I'm sure Robert Kardashian raised him better than that. Oh, I'm sure he did. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure just about every every parent I know would have raised him better than that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Although one of the Kardashian sisters, you know, has made a name for herself without Kim or the other ones. And I can't remember which Kardashian sister it was. Courtney, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was her. I forget what it was, but she went out on her own and made a name for herself on her own. Mm-hmm. As if that Not a made, very big thing, a good thing. Opinion, but. but still, you hear more about Kim Kardashian than you do the other two sisters. Well, mm. and the other sister. Yeah. And, you know, it's just such a crying shame they're a bunch of... Anybody who who loves that fucking-ass Kanye West... Is nothing in my eyes. I would love it to have Kanye up on stage giving a speech of some kind and have anybody, I don't care who they are, go up and do to him what he did to Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. He is an asshole. Plain and simple. They need to go up and they need to interrupt his ass on stage over and over and over again until he gets through his sixth mm-hmm. skull if that's not acceptable. Well, thankfully, uh, Beyonce, Beyonce seemed to her defense that night too. She, you know, she, you know, she, when she had the war on stage, she, you know, she told, you know, it's like Taylor, I love you, and I'll, I'm so sorry about what happened and such. <laughs> but give Beyonce credit; she came, she came to Taylor's defense that night, so. That's yeah, good. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show you that not all music stars are bad, you know, bad. Even though they do get their butts in trouble once in a while, I'm gonna have to do something. Yeah. Else, not screwing on like no. it should. Some more than others. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I agree. Well, here's another. Yeah, here's another story that might make you upset. I posted this one on Friday. So here's what happened. A $100,000 bond is set for the father accused of punching son, killing him over cake. Over cake? That's right. Cake. Cake. So here's what happened. This is out of Milwaukee. A Milwaukee man accused of fatally punching his own five-year-old son over a piece of cake appeared in court this past Thursday. Travis Stackhouse, 29, was reportedly angry that the child had eaten his piece of cake. Stackhouse is facing one count of first-degree homicide. Here's ran down his face in court Thursday. This thing was little, tiny, close to 20 pounds or so, and you're doing all that? It's ridiculous, said McShawna Wright, the child's aunt. Stackhouse's five-year-old boy had bruising to both eyes, a cut on his lip, and sternum. An autopsy revealed he suffered blunt force trauma to the abdomen, according to a criminal complaint. I can't even process the kid going through that, Wright said. The boy's caretaker is reportedly reported he fell down the stairs, but police didn't believe the injuries were consistent with that. 
Jack House admitted to punching his son in the stomach and hitting him in the face because he ate his father's gay cake. He only had one piece and was upset others were eating it, prosecutors said. I can't fathom what I can't even put that in the same sentence and then over some cake. Are you serious? Wright said. Jack House is the father of four other children. His cash bill was set at $100,000. He will be back in court this Friday for a preliminary hearing. I hope that those doggone kids are taken into protective custody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and but, really, I mean, honestly, the, guy should be, the guy should be charged with first-degree murder and nothing less. Well, the good news is it said it was first-degree homicide. So. Yeah, close enough. As long as the punishment goes goes along with first degree murder, because really that's what it, what it is he did. Yeah. He's a low life scumbag who should never see the light of day ever again. I agree with that. <sighs> All right, let's see. Anyway, I just saw something that, uh, okay. All right, now, I don't know if you heard about this today, but this is kind of a shocker. Uh, California is Anaheim. No, it's Los Angeles Angels now. It's changing the name. Uh, Los Angeles Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs is dead at the age of 27. He has an Arizona connection, too. He used to play before for the Diamondbacks before he was traded to the Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So he has an Arizona connection. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link in the, uh, in the chat, in the messenger chat, and for in Christine, I mean, iShine window. This is this is sort of shocking to me too. This is out of Arlington, Texas. Travis Gags has persevered through injuries to be a viable pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. The left-hander had posted a photo of himself and teammates in cowboy hats for the week-long trip to Texas, when he was set to start on the Fourth of July holiday. The 27-year-old pitcher died Monday when he was found unresponsive in his hotel room in Texas, stunning Major League Baseball and leading to the postponement of the Los Angeles series opener against the Rangers. Skaggs was an important part of the Angels' family, the team said in a statement. Our thoughts and prayers are with his wife, Carly, and his entire family during this devastating time. The police say they were, in, they were investigating, but that no foul play was suspected. Skaggs was pronounced dead at the scene. Skaggs, who would have turned 28 on July 13th and was married just seven months ago, had been a regular in the Angels' starting rotation since late 2016, when the left hand returned from Tommy John surgery. He struggled with injuries repeatedly in that time, but was 7-7 seven and seven and 15 starts this season to help an injury-played rotation. In a Cowboy team Instagram post Sunday, Gags wrote, Howdy, y'all, and made reference to the second trip to games against the Rangers and the Houston Astros this weekend. The NFL finisher Rob, Rob Manfred said he was deeply saddened by Gags' death. We will support the Angels organization through this most difficult period, and we will make a variety of resources available to Tyler's teammates and other members of the baseball family, Manfred said in a statement. At the team's hotel about 20 miles from the ballpark, all-star center fielder Mike Trout was among players in the lobby and nearby patio before they all left together to go to another part of the hotel. None of the players spoke to reporters, but Trout shared his thoughts on Twitter. Words cannot express the deep sadness we feel right now. Our thoughts and prayers are with Carly and their families. 
Remembering him as a great teammate, friend, and person who will forever remain in our hearts. We love you, 45, Scout said in the post. Don't worry. It's, it was uh, Skaggs' Mitt Jersey number 45, not the president. Go on. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, that was Skaggs' number 45. Anyway, a fan with an Eagles jersey sat on a rock wall near the hotel entrance with a bouquet of flowers attached to a balloon that read, Thank you. Skaggs was the first Angels player to die during the season since Nick Adenhart was killed by a drunken driver 10 years ago. The 22-year-old rookie right handed was selling off the first start of the 2009 season. Oh, the fourth year game in the big leagues. Jose Fernandez, a two-time all-star pitcher for the Miami Marlins, was killed in a bowling crash near Miami Beach, Florida in September 2016. He was just 24. Pitcher Gerald Kyle, who played in the major for 12 seasons, was on the road to St. Louis College when he died in June 2002 in the Chicago Hotel at age 33. Albert Pujols, now a member of the Angels, was Kyle's teammate then. The Angels Clubhouse was never open to the media before players and coaches who had already arrived for Monday night's game left together to return to the hotel. This is General Manager. What the? That was Jacqueline. Okay. Princess into the room. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, no, I, mean, I was trying to get the boys out. Okay, um, let's see. The Eagles Clubhouse was never open to the media before players and coaches who had already arrived for Money Line team left to go to return to the hotel. This is general manager and John McDaniels and manager Chris Woodward told their players what had happened to dismiss them. Woodward described it as one of those moments where you're just kind of numb and said the Rangers were thinking about Skag selling any Angels organization. There were a lot of pretty emotional guys in there, Woodward said. Some guys didn't even know they were visibly shaken. Rangers officials said that there had been no discussions on the status of Tuesday's game or the rest of what was supposed to be a four-game series. They said that only Monday night's game would not be made up this week. Real life takes precedence here, Daniel said. Some things are a lot bigger than baseball. True. The Angels took late teams, the Salt Lake Bees, interesting name, off the post from their scheduled game at Tacoma on Monday night. Exit born in the Los Angeles neighborhood of Woodland Hills in the far western part of the sprawling San Fernando Valley. He graduated from Santa Monica High School in 2009 when the Angels drafted him in the first round. The Angels traded Skaggs to, as Diana mentioned, Arizona in 2010, and he started his big league career with 13 appearances over two seasons for the Diamondbacks. The Angels reacquired him in, 20, in December 2013, and he won 25 games over five seasons with the club. Skaggs started a career-high 24 games last season, going 8-10 with a 4.02 ERA. He missed playing time in April this season with a sprained ankle, but came back strong. Skaggs was part of the same Angels draft class as Trout, and they were roommates in the low minor leagues before Skaggs was traded to Arizona. He played on the same team as Peter Rebbe's Iowa in 2010. Even in pitcher Trevor Bauer, who played with Skaggs in the Diamondbacks organization, tweeted, We came up together. We won together. We laughed and celebrated together. Today, we all lose and mourn together. Jackson joined the Debbie with the longtime softball coach at Santa Monica High School. She famously provided posting tips on a pitching mechanic, even given to his big league career. Jackson grew up in Santa Monica on the west side of the sprawling Los Angeles Metroplex, but rooted for the Angels instead of the closer Dodgers. You know, he was a good player. Mm-hmm. And you know what was sad? What? They hadn't even been, he hadn't even been married a year. Him and his new wife just got married last winter. Yeah, just seven months ago.
Who knows what he had? Well, he could have had an un... They say no foul play, no sign of drugs, etc. It could have yeah. been something as simple as an unknown heart, an unknown an health condition. problem. But we'll know that yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, just have to give him time. And like I said, um, that 45 referred to Skaggs' jersey number, not not the president. So, <laughs> so it's like, everyone, breathe easy. <laughs> Phew. Yeah. You know what would really be bad? That Trump said no, no athlete is allowed to wear the number 45. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you're saying, because there's a lot of people who have number 45. Don't you start, princess. Lay down. Down. Oh, my. Oh, he always puts up a whine. But, sorry. Holy crap. All right, what? try this on for size. Um, somebody, 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 let's see, um, if you want to do a photo op with Chris Evans, you better be ready to pay 200 bucks. Is that a Dragon Con? No. Um, it is at the Ace, it is at the Ace Comic Con in Seattle. And I did now that's not. outrageous. Uh, that's outrageous. Yeah, I wonder how much it's gonna be when I do that photo so with David Tennant. Oh, don't you know yet? No, I'm not gonna know that until probably the beginning of August when Epic Photo Ops puts up um his things. Well, it'll, it'll probably be about a hundred. It'll probably be about a hundred. If you get yeah, a chance, mention good to. omens. If you get a chance to, mention good omens. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, they have not put up the photo ops just yet. Oops, wait a minute. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, 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 oh, yes. Yeah, they, okay, they haven't quite put them up yet. Now, they got, now they put up one for something that just before that they have the Colorado Springs Comic Con. Oh, funny if Joe Kendra were there. Wouldn't be surprised, even if it is a Comic Con, because they have a lot of non-movie, non-comic book related. Yeah. Okay. Now, see, uh, August twenty-first and twenty-fifth, they have the photo ops and the photo schedule already on that one. That means it won't be too long before the ones for Dragon Con come up. And as soon as I as soon as I can, I want to get the earliest possible one for David Tennant because I want to get it out of the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. In other words, you want to make sure you get your chance. Yeah. Get my chance and get this one thing. Get it done and just and then go enjoy the rest of the time. Because that's right. the one thing I want to do. Because I want to talk to you more on panels at Dragon Con. Yeah, so right now, so right now, Atlanta is right now. This is it's the only it's the only country that does not have the um, 
that doesn't have the um, photo op schedule up yet. So, because like I said, it's just, the you'll get it is, eventually. Can, you'll you'll get it is, eventually. Can, the deal is, it will change. The deal yeah. is, it will change. Get down. So. But anyway, uh, here's what's going on. And this was posted yesterday. An Avengers Endgame fan paid $200 to salute Captain America star Chris Evans' ass, literally, at Ace Comic Con Seattle in a photo that has gone viral with more than 15,000 likes on Twitter. The popular meme got its start as Endgame when a time traveling Tony Stark, uh, of Junior, of course, offers commentary on Captain America's form fitting costume. Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, defends Cap's 2012 costume with a salute saying, that's America's ass. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Why do people focus 20... on butts? Why do people focus yeah. on butts? Well, hang on, it's funny. But the gas <laughs> service began when 2023 Captain America beats his past self in battle, looking down at his defeated past self and remarking, that is America's ass. It's a little meta, co-writer Stephen McFeely told the Los Angeles Times. Chris Evans has never been comfortable with that outfit from the first Avengers movie. And so in the rear view, it's a little way to wink at how that was then and this is now. And then it just sort of built from there. By the time we got to the fight scene where he defeated himself, his butt is on the ground and he was just sitting there for a callback. It was later learned Cap's remark on his own ass was recorded during Evans' final scene on Endgame after the third reveal the last night he delivered as the Star-Spangled Avenger was really stupid. Well, you know, it was reshoots, so you're doing these little picks and pops, and it's just little things that they need, Evans said during an October convention. It might have been a line to Paul Rudd. He wasn't there, but it was a stupid line. The line wasn't memorable to me. He laughed about it. Quiet. It was more memorable than the line. <laughs> So serious, it's like, sorry, if I want to do a photo op with Chris Evans, it's not going to be to salute his ass, okay? It's going to be to salute his good looks, right? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Hello, Ashley. Hey, Janet. Hey, Shirley. Hi, Ash. Don't forget hey. Tim. He's here, too. Oh, hey, Tim. Sorry. Hello. Hey. Hey, uh, Ashley, I'm sorry I didn't answer you earlier. I That's was a okay. little busy most of the day. That's all right. I apologize for ignoring you. No, you're fine. Oh, all right. Now, you guys know we try our best not to talk about politics, but in this case, um, I think we might have to. Because guess what's arriving ahead of the July 4th celebration in Washington, D.C.? Thanks! Hey, thanks a lot! Are you out of your fucking mind, Trump? Trump has no mind. If we took oh, him, yes, cracked open his head, and it took a look inside. He does too have a mind. He does too have a mind. He sits oh, on it every him. day. He sits on it every day. <laughs> Yeah, quit being okay. nice to the man. We sat him down, cracked yeah. open his head, took a look inside, there'd be nothing in it. All right, well, anyway, this is from the AP, and this is from Washington, D.C. 
Latest on President Donald Trump, President Donald Trump's plans for Washington 4th of July celebration. All these times are local. 7.15 p.m. At least two army tanks have arrived in Washington ahead of a 4th of July celebration that President Donald Trump says will include military hardware. An Associated Press photographer says the two M1A1 Abrams tanks are with four other military vehicles on a freight train in a rail yard at the southeastern edge of Washington. The vehicles are being guarded by military tanks that are visible to pass by on nearby paths. The military official earlier told the AP that the tanks were transported north from Fort Stewart in Georgia. Trump told reporters today that the tanks will be stationed outside the 4th of July celebration, but has not given details on how they will be used. I really wish you weren't using them. <laughs> All right. Well, now, you want to know something? Go- if he uses them what? and there's a mishap with those things that hurt, kill, hurt or maim a lot, that maim or kill a lot of people, there's going to be hell to pay, and I'm not talking about a hairpiece either. I know, I know. All right, now, go backwards in time to 5.40 p.m. President Donald Trump says no military tanks will be part of Washington's for the July celebration later this week. As to be about his plans, Trump said tanks will be stationed outside to provide a no other details. Trump had one in a, mil- a parade of military tanks and other equipment in Washington after witnessing a similar parade in Paris in 2017. But that plan was eventually scuttled because of cost. This year, the president is organizing an event called Salute to America that the, admin- the administration says will honor the U.S. military. Yeah, right. <laughs> and well, it's more to honor his bloody ego. It's more to honor his yeah. damned ego. I agree. Trump plans to deliver a speech at the Lincoln Memorial on Thursday. I'll be watching something else. The event, <laughs> the event will include music, military demonstrations, and flyovers. The annual fireworks display will go off closer to the Lincoln Memorial than the Washington Monument. And that's it for the moment. Sheesh, Trump. I'm like you. I wish you wouldn't have a... I didn't take NBC if they're going to still still do Macy's because I know they usually do that every year. If they do, I'll watch that instead. (laughs) Well, speaking Uh, of things we're not watching... Speaking uh-huh. of things that we're not watching, there's there's something I want to share and like a little little secrets of the unknown from just a few minutes. Uh, sure. And there really is there really is no link to share, but uh, it's, a, it's a post in the Facebook group, and I don't know whether people that are not in the group can see it. Not that there's much to see anyway. Uh, I have mentioned time and time again how much. I enjoy watching those adventures predominantly for the entertainment factor and the fact that I have not believed in their credibility for I don't know how many seasons now. But there have been originally one, now two occasions where I have to question whether they have any credibility whatsoever. Mm. Um, The original one being in the case of the uh, Bothell Hell House in up in near Seattle, Washington, uh, was the first episode of Ghost Adventures where they claimed to have found absolutely nothing wrong. Yet I have uh, been on uh, an episode of Edge of the Rabbit Hole where the uh, then occupant was on, and I am Facebook friends with him, and he has shared a great deal of evidence proving that there is, in fact, something going on within that house. And I have seen the documentation that he's put together. I've seen the videos that he's filmed on YouTube, 
and I, I see all this, and I say, how the hell could ghost inspectors have messed this one up, really? Because a lot of what I've seen, and you know, being how I into the paranormal I am, it's really hard to fake what I've seen. It's not, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it would be very difficult to do it. And for a show that prides itself on finding something for the purpose of having good ratings, I'm baffled how they found absolutely nothing in that house. But now comes a second case where they literally screwed it up. And for this one, I, I want to put this here. I have not yet seen the episode. I haven't seen oh. most of this season. I've not seen most of this season's episodes as I haven't had the money to buy it on iTunes yet. But I am friends with a number of people in the paranormal field. And uh, this one particular one, his name is Jason Foss of Heartland Paranormal, has seen the episode. And he made an interesting post in his group's Facebook group uh, about it that I think really illustrates a lot of the problems with Ghost Adventures. He writes as follows. Ghost Adventures does it again. It seems at this point that they just want to top themselves, even if it means exploiting a family and a three-year-old child. The episode in question is the season 19 episode 4 called Panic in Amarillo. He says, there are so many things wrong with this episode, but I'm simply going to stick with the health and safety of the child. Number one, in the opening interviews, the house looks in squalid condition and downright filthy. This could be deceiving to the viewer, yet the conditions look less than favorable for a three-year-old to live in. So why is it just brushed off that Zach and the crew wear masks on a visit while the child lives in such conditions? You bullshit. Know, you admit, you, that's bullshit. Bullshit. If the, house, if the house is filthy and the child is forced to live in that kind of condition, why should Zach and them wear masks? Bullshit. Number two, all of the crew's readings are debunked in the show. It was said that there is, I should say there are, but I'm going to read it exactly as he wrote it. There is no feelings of evil or malicious energies in the house. Why then is it brushed aside that the mother and daughter are the only ones with scratches, and these scratches are blatantly self-inflicted on herself and her daughter? Why is it not looked into that a child is being subjected to physical harm? Oops. You mean to tell me, Mr. Baggins, that you find absolutely nothing in this house, yet the mother and her daughter are getting scratched? Doesn't implying that they're harming themselves? Or the mother is harming both her daughter and herself? Come on, Baggins, you're supposed to be better than that. Number three. Oh, that last little bit was my own assessment. That was not part of it. Who is Baggins? Zach Baggins. Okay. The, the the lead investigator and host of Ghost Adventures. Well, I've only seen Number, the show once and didn't like it, so I quit watching it. Probably for the best, unless you're unless you're going in with, with the idea that this is all nothing but pure entertainment. Well, Number you want to know something? Hmm. I'd rather listen to Mike Ricksecker than I had watch that show. Oh yeah, I would too. I could sit and binge watch. 
on Rogue Media's YouTube channel all day long. Like I said, the only reason I even watch Ghost Adventures anymore at this point is just to be entertained and introduced to places that are allegedly haunted. That's it. And I use the word allegedly on purpose because I don't believe half the crap they show on TV anymore. I just don't. And it's worth noting, too, that even if a lot of this fake, that doesn't mean the place isn't really haunted. It just means that what they're putting on our screen ain't real. Mm-hmm. Number three. Down. Number three. Number three. Why was there no closure? Why was CPS not called? Why was it not looked into to get this mother some much-needed mental health services? People, sometimes the paranormal is not the answer. It needs to be brushed aside to get obvious help for those who truly need it. This episode was solely for the ratings and exploited a family and a child. That is wrong. Please, if you've seen this episode, leave your thoughts and insights. And as always, stay scary, my friends. Jason, Heartland Paranormal. And I completely agree with him. I know, again, I'm not saying it's right that the mother and child have to live in such terrible conditions. But the fact is, something is obviously going on in that house. Because I can and it ain't of the supernatural origins either. Well, actually, it might be, Jan. They, just because they didn't find anything doesn't mean there's nothing there. They've already done a piss poor job once. It's not to say they won't do it again. And I highly doubt that the mother is going to scratch her daughter and herself. I, I just, I, I don't see that. And if the, and if the crew thought that there was any, any reason why that would be true, why didn't they call CPS? Why didn't they get somebody to look into what's going on around here if it's not paranormal? But they didn't. They didn't call for help. They didn't bring in help. They didn't allegedly didn't find anything on the investigation. If the house and everything looks like crap and people are getting scratched, I would like to think there's at least a good chance something is going on in that house. And if it's not paranormal, then why are you not bringing in public help? It's like they went in and said, oh, well, we, we got nothing. And then left everybody to fend for themselves. I'm sorry, but that's a joke. I, wow. I, I really don't. I really don't trust them in, in, in the least. I and wouldn't I either. A, going by what you you've been saying about them all this time. I mean, I mean, I mean, even if you disregard the mother, the fact that there's a three-year-old child, a three-year-old child that cannot protect herself. I highly doubt her, her mother is scratching. You know what it could be? If the house is as squalid as you say it is, could be rats. It could be. I, I'm just going off his words. I have not seen the episode. So I don't know what the house looks like. I'm only going off the words of somebody that's actually watched the episode. But if that's the case, even if there's nothing paranormal going on that is taking them at their word, which is worth much point. The word is about as good as as far as you can spit. Mm-hmm. Why are they not bringing in help to these people? You you bring in any other? You bring in like say taps. I mean taps would only really investigate on the East Coast, but that's beside the 
if they saw this going on and they had every reason to believe it wasn't paranormal, but a three-year-old child is being scratched and injured, you would think they would do the smart thing and at least call the authorities for some help for the people. And they don't even do that. It just shows you they're not as human as they profess to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and That's a sad truth. Mm-hmm. And his post doesn't really clarify this, and I would probably have to actually watch the episode really to answer my question, but on what basis yeah. do they think that there's nothing paranormal going on in this house? They say oh, they found stuff, but everything's been debunked. So why do they think there's something paranormal going on in this house to begin with? The mother and daughter are being scratched. Okay, I highly doubt any mother intending to harm their child would then also turn upon themselves and then act like there's nothing going on. There's no benefit to that. If they wanted to harm their child... They would harm their child, and, you know, they would go big or go home. That simple scratches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in case, in case anybody hasn't fi- quite figured it out, CPS, Child Protective Services, in case you didn't figure that out. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. it's not paranormal-related, but I got a feel-good story that just goes to show you the kids are good. After all, yeah, it was Janet, on our local what? news. What? Yeah, Janet, listen, we only got two minutes left. Yeah, I want to make Can it real short, sweet, and hard to beat. This kid entered okay. a contest in which the grand prize was a year's worth of dog food. Well, he won the contest, and he got the coupons, and you know what he did? He donated them oh, to did. a local animal shelter so the animal shelter would have a year's supply of dog food. Smart. This is coming from about a 10-year-old boy. 10, 10-year-old boy. All right, smart kid. That was awesome. All right, well, anyway, um, just a little quick rundown. Tuesday is the New Carcel Tuesday. Wednesday is our attention to one, and we'll focus on when sexual when sexual assaults are getting falsely reported, because there haven't been a lot of those too. Now Thursday is the Fourth of July. We do not have a show at all on the Fourth, so you know we're going to enjoy the holiday with our friends, family, so forth, so on. And then we come back on Friday the Fifth. We'll play the Fifth. We're going to play the Fifth with the naughty madness we're going to have. <laughs> all right. So anyway, um, you know, hope you'll be, you'll be you know, if you got a short work week, congratulations, you'll be able to enjoy a long holiday weekend. But anyway, like certain people in this room. Yes. Yeah. Like certain people right, in anyway, this room. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 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 put it in your room to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on the website beyond the airwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways to catch up. First is the Stitcher.com app, available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to our download search for the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search on the podcast, be on the airwaves, and you'll find many of our episodes there. 
throw that in mind, boy, to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night. Sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for New Cardinal Tuesday. Of course, Tim will be at the rabbit hole as the usual. That's right. Quiet, princess. I'll let you out as soon as I can. Because I don't want another room for All right, that is all for tonight. Uh, Mike, you, I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! Mike, uh, I Mike saw my, sent a message. Like, he got distracted playing Assassin's Creed. That's okay. That's all right. Sometimes it happens. If I did that, we'd have big problems. <laughs> anyway, he was also this. I'm Groot. Mm-hmm. I'm Groot. Uh-huh. I'm Groot. Oh, shit! <laughs> I got a request, Shirley. The Batman fart. Okay. All right. One Batman fart coming up. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am... <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So that's it for tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, y'all. You need to go potty. Shanna. Jana.